if you will, this morning. And uh, I, we introduced a, a topic that we're going to be looking at for the next several uh, months and weeks and days and years and whatnot. And as we begin to kind of think about our relationships, and I want to go in here in Ephesians 5, and, uh, you know, you get down in verse 22, wives, verse 25, husbands, 6-1, children, masters, servants, fathers, and neighbors, and so forth, in our relationships one with another. And as we begin to do that, let's start reading here in verse 15. And I want to look at some things here in verse 18. We'll start reading in verse 15. But in verse 18, about being filled with the Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks. Because it is one of the most misunderstood issues in Christianity today. It's an abused topic. It's a topic that weekly the phone will ring and there will be a message on the machine that says, hey, call me back. I call them back. And one of the questions is, is are you a spirit-filled church? And it's obviously, well, yes, just not how you think <laughs> and how you're thinking we are. And I want to just spend some time with uh, verse 18 before getting into the relationships and so forth and 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 getting into our walk and everything, because if you're not operating in 518, walking and being filled with the Spirit, then your relationships are going to suffer, and they're going to suffer greatly, mightily, tremendously. Any other adjectives, okay? Verse 6, verse 15, Paul says, See then... That ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And we talked about that, some of that last time. And, verse 18, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In order to walk in wisdom... In order to to understand what the will of the Lord is, by the way, that's how you're going to walk in wisdom, but you also have this issue about and being filled with the Spirit. In verse 15, 16, and 17 there, in order to walk in wisdom, you have to walk in an understanding of what God's doing today. What is God doing today? He will have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You have to be able to think like God would have you to think in the details of your life. How would God think in this moment? How would God operate in this moment? And you begin to bring those details into your life. Now, in order to do that, you need verse 18. Now, notice, and, by the way, let me say it now so I don't forget to say it. Verse 18 is a command, okay? This is not a shoulda, coulda, woulda. Maybe you got him, maybe you don't. It's a command to, to, for us to do. But notice verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You have two parts in that verse. The first part is the negative. Don't be drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Then you have the positive part. Be filled with the Spirit. So you got a negative and a positive. You know, life is that way. You, have you ever had a battery with just a positive post? It's not much of a battery, is it? 
Not really. You have to have a what? You have to have the positive and the negative. And the Christian life has these two sides to it. Don't be drunk with wine. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that right now. Uh, I am with the men in the men's fellowship, but right now, in t- this morning, I'm not going to. We will down the road. Basically, the wine, and be not drunk with wine, wherein it's excess. Wine in Scripture is a reference to the religious system of the Antichrist, of the adversary. It's that vain religious system. So when he says don't be drunk with wine, the negative, the command, is don't be involved with the vain religious system of the world. How does the religious system of the world operate? It operates on what? Experience? Emotions? A emotional response to this or to that? Never on the truth of the word of God rightly divided. It's always operating on how do, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? Feelings. It's, it's, a, it's Valentine's Day, right? Feelings. That's about, I rolled over this morning and Linda goes, don't start. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> but being filled with the Spirit has to do with life, having your life under the control of the Spirit of God. And again, Positive side, negative side. I want to spend time in the positive side, okay? Lots of discussion about the issue of being filled with the Spirit, but yet very little understanding about what it truly is. And my goal is, as we begin here, is, to, is for you and I to understand what it means in Scripture to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? What does it look like? So in order to see that, by the way, this is not brain surgery. It's not complicated. It's very simple to grasp and to get. But yet what happens is, is our religious upbringings, our baggage, if you will, what do we tend to do? Make it complicated. There's a great verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I, I was talking with uh, one of the brothers the other day on the Zoom call. Actually, not on Zoom. It, he's, he was on the Zoom, but... Uh, away from that, 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 3, I say what? This verse saves my bacon and should save yours more times than not. He says, but I fearless by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your minds should be corrupted from the what? The simplicity that is in Christ. Minds, thinking, how you think about it, how you perceive, how you work down through things. This thing about being filled with the Spirit is not complicated. Why? Because then if it was complicated, it wouldn't be the simplicity that's in Christ, would it be? It wouldn't be that. This is actually rather simple. The hardest part is believing what the verses are going to tell us. That's usually where the baggage comes in. And well, we don't want to do that. We got to do this. So I want to give you some things of what it's not. And then we're going to talk about how, how do you get it. And what does it mean? But first, what, it do, what it's not. Come over with me to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2. Being filled with the Spirit is not a reference to the day of Pentecost here in Acts chapter 2. J.C. O'Hare has said the greatest blunder of the church, the body of Christ, is to think it began on the day of Pentecost. 
and that's a fact. He said that in 1930. We're almost 100 years away from that. And guess what? It's still true today. Most people today believe that the church, that the ministry, the, the, the uh, pattern of ministry and Christian living comes right out of Acts chapter 2. And the problem is, is that's just not the case. Look at Acts 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. The question I always come up in that verse is, who is the they? Who's the they? Well, go back up to chapter 1 verse 26. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So who would be the they coming into 2-1? The twelve apostles. Isn't that interesting? The twelve. I know people say, well, it was 120 in the upper room, but the 120 didn't pick Matthias. Who picked Matthias? The, the eleven did, see? So they, verse 1. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it fell on the house where they, the twelve, were sitting. And there were appeared unto, uh, unto them cloven tongues like as the fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, who are we talking about? The fulfillment of prophecy here, right? Come down to verse 14. It gets interesting. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as those, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters and so on. And he's going to quote Joel chapter number 2 there. And you know what happens? The day of Pentecost is actually in reality a fulfillment of prophecy, of, of what the prophet Joel spoke about. Come on over to chapter 3 in Acts. So when you come into Acts and we're talking and thinking about being filled with the Spirit... First of all, it is not the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. The day of Pentecost in Acts 2 is a fulfillment of prophecy. Chapter 3, Acts 3, verse number 18. But those things, again, Peter preaching here. But those things which God before has shown by the mouth of all his holy prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so what? Fulfilled. When Christ is hanging on Calvary, he doesn't hang with his head down. He hangs with his head up. And he's going through the scriptures. And seven times he speaks. And every seven, the seven times it's designed to cause the audience around him to do something. And in doing that, he fulfills prophetic scripture. So much so that when he gave up the ghost, after he, he says, I thirst. Causing them to do Psalm 69 and bring him the vinegar, to the, the gall to drink. As soon as he drinks, you know what he does? Bows his head, gives up the ghost. Why? All the scripture has been fulfilled. He didn't miss one, you know. You ever read a verse and you go, man, that's a great verse. 
I've really got an idea about this, and you're going, you're going, and then you go read two other verses that you didn't know about, and you go, well, I better correct the way I was thinking about that. <laughs> you know, you haven't had that? I have. I, okay, I do constantly. Well, man, it, see, these guys, verse 19, prophecy is what's being fulfilled here in the early Acts program. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which, was, which before was preached unto you whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. All of the things in Acts Acts chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 are all the, of the prophetic program being fulfilled. So then guess what? Being filled with the Spirit for you and I today is not Acts chapter 2. Come on over to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3. Verse 1. Ephesians 3 verse 1. For this cause I, Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me, the what? The mystery. Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Christ to Paul, the mystery. Verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. Where was it from the beginning? It was hid. It's a secret. Romans chapter 16 over there, verse 25, he talks about we're preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the, of the mystery, which was kept secret since where? Before the foundation of the world. Peter, Acts 3, Acts 2, what's Peter saying? It's fulfilling scripture that was been spoken of by the prophets. Paul says, man, what I'm preaching to you is been kept secret. So in chapter 5 here, when he says being filled with the Spirit, the first thing off the bat is you know it's not what? It's not Acts 2. Now, modern day Christendom, you know what they say? It's Acts 2. When the guy calls and says, hey, are you a spirit-filled church? You know what they're thinking about? Acts 2, Pentecost. That's what he's thinking about. And you know what happens is, is I, I talked to one gentleman one time. He actually got really mad at me. And I said, well, you're really in for keeping the unity of the spirit then here, aren't you? <laughs> you know, because he really got me. And the thing is, is if you read your Bible, guess what you're going to see? This, what we just looked at. If you don't, then you know what? You're not reading your Bible. Have you heard somebody say, hey, I never saw that verse there before. I've never seen that before. It's been there since the beginning. <laughs> it's always been there. But yet, what happens? You're not reading your Bible. You're just listening to people talk about your Bible. Come back to Acts chapter 1. So when Paul, when if you think that being filled with the Spirit goes back to Acts chapter number 2, then you're going to be destroyed spiritually 
speaking. Look at Acts 1, verse 6. When Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he's not talking about go back into the prophetic program and use that as our standard. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 when they, that's the eleven, therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time establish the body of Christ? No. What does it say? Restore again the kingdom to who? To Israel. It's interesting, chapter 2, look at verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, All ye men, people in attendance here today. No, he says, ye men of Judea. And all you that dwell at Jerusalem, verse 22, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Verse number 26, well, it's not 26, 29, no, not 29. Anyway, who's he talking to? Ye men of Israel, ye men of Judea, you, you guys sitting right here. You see, if there was a Gentile in the audience... Who does he think Peter's talking to? Him or the Jews? The Jews. See that? There's no doubt that he knows that Peter's not talking to them, that he's talking to the Jews, because three times in here he says, I'm talking to the Jews, Israel. Acts 2 is all about prophecy. You're in Acts, come over to chapter 3 again, verse 25. The early Acts period, you got Acts, I told you Acts 3, right? Look at verse 25. Peter's speaking here. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham... And in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you and in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Who's he talking to? Who are the children of the covenant? Israel. Look over at chapter 11. Chapter 11 of Acts. Look at verse 19. Underneath the disbursement, the scattering, underneath the persecution of, uh, under Saul of Tarsus, 11:19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the, who? Jews only. Folks, what come over to Galatians 3. What makes up the church the body of Christ? Think about this. Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Who makes up the church, the body of Christ today? Jew and a Gentile. Who's back there in Acts, early Acts? He's just talking to who? The Jews. So when you come along and say, hey, being filled with the Spirit, that's Acts 2, you don't know what you're talking about. You haven't read your scriptures. So, number one, what it's not. <laughs> Get through this. Clearly being filled with the Spirit is not Acts 2. Come over with me to John 7. B number two, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an automatic thing. In Acts 2, it was an automatic thing. Okay, John 7. 
they, you think about Acts, or that early Acts. Acts 1, they're with the Lord, the Lord goes up, he ascends into heaven, he says, you guys got to go back to Jerusalem and what? Wait for the power on high. You got to wait. Got to wait. You got to wait. So what are they doing? They're waiting. It's interesting that they are, they went, they're waiting, and at the proper moment, Jesus Christ baptizes them with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit, as a demonstration of his glorification at the right moment, automatically done to them. They weren't praying for it. You know, one of the ideas is that, man, you got to pray the Spirit in there, got to pray him down. They didn't pray for him. It was an automatic thing. Today, for you and I, being filled with the Spirit is not an automatic issue. John 7, I told you that, right? <laughs> I don't hear the rustling of the pages or the clicking of the mouse. So John 7, look at verse 39. Here it is. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet, what? Glorified. Come back to Acts 2. See it here. You see, folks, what did he do? He ascends into heaven. He's seated at the, sit thou at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. As soon as he sits down, he's glorified of the Father. Immediately, you know who he sends? Another comforter, the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. Verse 33, uh, verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost comes not as a result of them praying him down, not as a result of them yielding their lives to him. Not as a result of them confessing anything or surrendering anything. It was because of a set, determined time by God himself. That's how he came. No prayer, no begging, no surrender. Come back to Ephesians 5. No, none of that stuff that you hear in mainline Christianity out there about getting and being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18. But be filled with the Spirit. It is not automatic with you and I. This verse is a command. It's something for us to obey. It is not a prayer request. You know what God says? Do it. Be it. It doesn't say pray for about it. He says what? Do it. By the way, when did you get the Spirit? What's Ephesians 1 verse 13? You're in Ephesians. Look at chapter 1 verse 13. When do you get the Spirit? The moment you, of salvation. Verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And when you got him, did you get half of him or did you get all of him? You got all of him. 
See, so you're, you're sitting here and you're thinking about this and, it's, and it's, a, it's not an automatic thing for you and I being filled with. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But it's also, it is not a continuous intake or arriving of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what mainline Christianity does to you. They say you got to keep the faith and keep going to get more of him. What did 113 just tell us? We got him. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Paul says, what, Know you not your body is the temple of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit? The temp, what does the Holy Spirit do in the temple? He lives in you. He dwells in you. He's in there. You're sealed with him. We have all of the Holy Spirit we're going to ever have, and that's all of him, the whole of him. You with me? Doesn't start on Act. It isn't about Acts two. It isn't an automatic thing for you and I. It's not a continuous intake of Him or arriving of Him. We have Him all. And the fourth issue here of what it's not is it's not an emotional hocus pocus thing. Hoodly do, hoodly do. Come over to that emotional thing. Come back to Acts two real quick. I don't know if I have this on your handout there, but Acts 2. There is emotion involved on the day of Pentecost. There is emotion involved here. Look at 2.14. I'm sorry, 2.12. So they get the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak there to, to everyone uh, in their own language. Verse number 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others, what? Mocking said, these men are full of new wine. What are they? They're mocking them. They're, they're astounded that these guys are speaking in their own languages. All the known world is represented there in verse 6, 7, 8, 9, 8, 9, 10. But what are they doing? They're mocking. That's an emotion. They're ridiculing him. So then what does Peter do? Verse 15, for these are not drunken, as ye supposed, seeing it is but the third hour. He's got to get up and say, no, what you're seeing here is not some kind of hooly-do, hocus-pocus thing. It's rather a fulfillment of prophecy, correct? Now come back to Ephesians 5. So you got a few things there, what it's not. Now look at chapter 5, and let's look at what it is to be filled with the Spirit. First of all, by the way, this verse is a command. Both parts are commands. This, it's kind of like that thing in Ephesians 2.10. We always kind of dance around it because of that word should, where he says he's created us in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And everybody dances around. See, should, maybe we do, maybe we don't. No, the should there is, a, is, is in the command tone. And of the verse, of, of the voice. It's a command. No, you do this. And you know what happens when we come to the Word of God and the Word of God says, do it, what should we be doing? Doing it. But you know what? We really don't like that. You know what we like to do? Let's pray about it. Maybe it'll go away the next morning. <laughs> so we come over here and we jump in our prayer closet and we pray away, try, hoping that that verse some miraculously way gets changed. And then we find a new version out there that changes it for us. And we're like, whoo, good, I got it. You know, you okay? But now look at 518. Look at what this is. 
both parts, the positive and the negative, are commands. It has nothing to do with the prayer request or yielding or, or any of that stuff. It has to do with obedience. It has to do with obedience to something God told you to do. But being be filled with the Spirit. Think about filled. We're not talking about filling up a glass that's half full with water. Come back over with me to John 16. Notice the issue of being filled. It, it's, it's rather something that grips you, that controls you, that comes along and grips your heart. It's illustrated here in John 16, verse number 6. John 16, 6, the Lord is speaking to him here, and he says, But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Have you ever been gripped with sorrow, the loss of a loved one? And what does it do? It gets you to the point where you can't even function. When Brian passed away, I experienced some of that. He's been gone 10 years almost now, you know. And what does it do? It just, it, sorrow does what? It grips you. It fills you. It consumes you. Come over to Luke chapter 5. So when he talks here about being filled, be filled with, let's, let's let it grip you. Luke 5, verse 26, the Lord again says, And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Fear gripped them. Fear began to control them. Fear began to dominate them. In chapter 6, verse 11, And they were filled with madness and communed one with another that they might, what they might do to Jesus. These religious leaders, what did they want? They wanted to kill him. And madness gripped them, filled. It, it began to control them, and it began to, to consume them so much that they couldn't be reasoned with. Pilate three times says, this is an innocent man. <laughs> this is a, he's innocent. He's a, and you know what they still said? Crucify him. We'll have no king but Caesar. So when you come back to Ephesians 3, being filled, the first issue, you've got to catch on what it is to be filled. It is this issue of letting something, let the, let the Spirit grip you and control you. Be under the control of the Spirit. Let the Spirit come in and begin to work and to deal with you. Ephesians chapter 3, notice where the Spirit's going to work, verse 16. 3.16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner, he ain't working on the outer man, he's working where? On the inner man. Let the, let's be under the control and let's be under the grip of the spirit as he begins to strengthen your inner man. As he begins to deposit into your inner man things that he wants deposited there. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by what? By faith. Oh, remember last week the key to grace is what? Faith. 
Never your activity. This is all his activity. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. It's a faith issue, and it's designed, the Spirit's going to come along, and He's going to begin to control you. He's going to strengthen your inner man. He's going to grip you. He's going to fill your inner man by faith. He gives us the power to grasp, to comprehend in our mind, in our thinking, to understand the whole of it. The end of verse 19 there, filled with all the fullness of God. That's what it means to have your life under the control of the love and grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where you can come along and grip and grasp and comprehend what Christ is doing, what God's doing, and the Holy Spirit is the mechanism. You see, folks, be filled with the Holy Spirit is letting the Spirit be the one who controls you. Be, let the Spirit be the one that grips your life and fills it with what He wants filled. He's not talking about getting more Spirit. Rather, He's talking about the Spirit is the one doing the filling. It's being possessed by the Spirit. Come back to chapter 5. It's allowing him to put things into your life that he wants there. He intends to be there. See, we tend to like to do what we want to do. Be filled with the Spirit is what he wants done. It's what he wants put in to your life. Notice it here in Ephesians 5 and verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. See the fruit of the Spirit? Now go over to Galatians 5 and you get the list. But notice, this is, what, this is what the Spirit wants to fill your life with. Righteousness, goodness, and truth. Boy, that's a little better than what we usually fill it up with. So when we come into chapter 18, I mean verse 18, chapter 18. If you find 18, let me know, would you? When we come down into verse 18, down to verse, into chapter 6, all the way down to, to verse 20 there where he says, Finally, my brethren, here's what the Spirit wants in your life. Here it is. Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hey, you know what he wants you to have? He wants you to have an inner harmony in your life, in you. Verse 20, giving thanks. He wants you to have a thankful attitude. Verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another. He wants you to have a submissive spirit. And what the Spirit does is He begins to put these things into your life as when He controls your life, when He grips it, and it's Him doing the work. Then usually what happens is, you know what you have? You have an inner harmony. You got a song inside you got a thankful attitude and you have that submissive spirit it's interesting to me that he then breaks into wives and husbands and and so forth but you know what way before a wife is to be submissive 
and a husband is to love, it's verse 19, 20, and 21 has to be there. In order for a wife to truly be in her role as a wife, and for her husband to truly be in the role as a husband, for the family structure to be truly where it's to be, for the workplace, the neighbor relationships, all those relationships to truly be where it needs to be, verse 18, 19, 20, and 21 have to be on board. If they're not, then the rest of it falls apart. And it's not operating the way it's designed by God to operate. And when the love of, and grace of God controls your life, then these are the things that, become the, that happen in your life. So then the question is, is, okay, let's understand what the Holy Spirit would have in our lives, right? And then the next question is, is, okay, how then are we filled with the Spirit? How does this happen? You see, the command is, is be filled with those things that the Spirit desires to be in your life. Let's let that control you. Let's let that hold you back. Now, come over to Colossians 3 and get Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. And I want to just compare something with you so that you see how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? You with me, guys? You, okay? Because when we get down into the, I, I, I call it Paul's meddling in your life, so you don't get mad at me. But when we go meddle in with what's going on, it starts from a basis of the Holy Spirit is the one controlling. Now, Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 are comparative passages. Ephesians was written first, lays in all the doctrine. Philippians gives us the reproof. Colossians gives us the correction based on the Ephesians doctrine. In Colossians, you're going to find one-word sentences where you're going to find verses in Ephesians. One word here, one sentence here, one verse here that describes a whole, okay? Look at 3.16. Let's just look at this. Let's do this on the board. we got 10 minutes, and then it's time to everybody turn into a pumpkin. All right? Look at Ephesians 5. Look at verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with what? The Spirit. All right? So we're going to put 518 over here, and we're going to go Spirit. Okay? You're still in 5, right? Ephesians 5. Verse 19. Speaking... Right? To yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making a melody, right? Melody. And then you've got thankful, being thankful and being submissive, right? 19 to 21. Right? What's 22 say? Wives. 25. Husbands. Chapter 6, verse 1, children. Chapter 6, verse 4, fathers. All right? Chapter 6, verse 5, I think it is. Servants, right? We'll just put work. I'm off the board. Okay? You with me? Now, Colossians 3, verse 16. What's he say? Let the word of Christ... Dwell in you richly. Word of Christ, dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Doing what? 
teaching, singing, right? Teaching, monishing one another, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing. Uh, verse 17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, giving thanks to God. See, so we got these right here. Uh, thanks to God, right? What's the next verse, first word? Wives, then what? Husbands, children, fathers, the workers, right? See how they just line up with each other? No. <laughs> Go back to verse 16. By the way, in math, what is it? A equals B, B equals C, therefore A must equal C, right? That's the idea. Look at verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in what? All things and all wisdom. Being filled, but be filled with the Spirit. When you're filled with the Spirit, it is going to produce the same thing in you as if, it, as if you would say the word of Christ dwells in you is going to produce. Who wrote the scriptures? The Holy Spirit does. Holy, Spirit, holy men moved as the Spirit gave them utterance. He wrote the word. With me. If the Spirit is going to grip you, if the, if the Spirit is going to come and control your life, fill you up. And then in Colossians, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Settle down. Be at home in your life. Run your life. That's the Spirit filling you up. So if I want to be filled with the Spirit, it's not all the stuff out there religion talks about. It's rather me bringing my life, again, by faith, under the control of the love and grace of God revealed to me in his word. See, being filled with the spirit in the hocus pocus is woo hoo hoo doo You see the rabbit? See the rabbit? Oh, it's a pigeon. <laughs> oh, sorry, a dove. That would be the spirit. It isn't that. It's you taking the word of God into your inner man, allowing the word of God to dwell, allowing the spirit to come along and take that word and strengthen your inner man, and then by faith go and apply it to life. Take the love of, and grace of God and apply it to the details of life. Now come over to Philemon. Philemon. The capstone here of Paul's epistles, it is a pastoral epistle. It sits at the end for a very good reason. It takes all of the doctrines of Romans to Thessalonians. And then it takes all of the, the doctrines given to Timothy and Titus. And he puts it all on display in Philemon in the local church. At, at, there at Laodicea and Colossae. Philemon is a one-chapter book. There's only five of them in your Bible. You ought to be paying attention to all five, by the way. One day Obadiah is going to ask you if you read his book, and you're going to go, Oba who? <laughs> no, he, and, you, know, you need to know those books. 
Look at verse 4. Paul is dealing with Philemon here. And you see the capstone of grace, as it's called, the book's been called. As Philemon, as Paul encourages Philemon to allow the word to come and work now. Verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord and toward all the saints. Boy, what a reputation Philemon had. He had taken in all of the sound doctrine given to us by Paul. He had taken it in, and it had become to be his life. It had become to be his life source. He was controlled by. And then he says, verse 6, by the way, toward all the saints, not only did he have it in himself, but he had it amongst the local church there. Then he says, verse 6, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. This is, by the way, that's, that verse 6 is what you want to happen in your life. Notice the acknowledging. It isn't just saying, hey, yeah, I see that. Act. You see that action? The, the knowledge, all the things you have in Christ are doing what? Becoming active. They're, they're effectual. Their movement, that verse in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, you hear the word of God, and it works effectually in you that what? Believe. You believe the word, what's it going to do? What's the Spirit going to do? He's going to reach over, and He's going to energize that doctrine, and He's going to bring it in and cause it to, to control your life, fill you up. That's why this is not automatic. you got to do what? Get out of the way and let him work. Problem is, is we like to get in the way. You see, the spirit, we got the spirit. There ain't no doubt about it. We're sealed with the guy. Okay? We got him 100%. But as far as it comes to controlling our lives, we've got to get out of the way and let him do his job. You want to be filled with the spirit? You want to be under the control of the spirit? Then you've got to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. That's the only way it's going to happen. Philemon here, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Have an effect on the people around you. Not only on you, but those there. By, how though? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Letting all that good in you all that doctrine you've got in you begin to work out. What do we say? I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet what? Not I, but Christ. That's what being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit has to do with acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. And we have to allow the Word of Christ to dwell, to control our lives. And man, I tell you what, when you approach life the way God would have you to approach life and then relax in that and let that be what's true, let that be what's demonstrated in your life, 
in your actions, in your attitudes, then you, what is said of Philemon here, can be said of you. Paul's praising, he's attaboying Philemon here. Because Philemon is under the control of and under the, being been filled with the Spirit. So when we go back to chapter 5, in verse 18, and we talk about being filled with, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, that's the crux of the matter. Because if you're not, everything else is just going to fall apart. It's going to be a struggle. Because we'll learn in Romans 8, next time we'll get over in some of this, and we'll learn that we have a power center given to us, and guess who it is? The Holy Spirit. But see, the thing is, though, is you've got to make sure you have the what? That you have the Spirit. How do I get the Spirit? Well, what did Ephesians 1.13 say? In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Hey, you've got to recognize that you're a sinner. You need a savior. You need help. You're on your way to hell. God the Father said, I sent my son to die for you. All you have to do is do nothing but believe him. You don't walk an aisle. You don't do a work. You don't do any activity. No energy in belief. You just simply believe. And when you do, we'll have peace with God. I'll give you eternal life. And I'll set you on the road that you need to be set on. But you got to believe me. Unfortunately, too many don't believe him. Okay? Being filled with the Spirit, what it isn't, and now what it is. And we'll pick up on more on what it is going forward, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your son. And Lord, there as Paul prayed for Philemon, I pray for us as well, that we would have the word be your word, your love, your grace, be effectual in us as we acknowledge all that we have in your son. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's be